Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary Emergency Podcast number three coming your way. Steve Schme and the Mobster. What's up, buddy? How you doing? This is going to be one of those. We kind of knew it was going to happen, but we wish it hadn't. Uh, and there's a great kind of morality to this, guys. So pay attention uh, as we get into the death, the whys, the wherefores, what he leaves behind of Boston Lloyd. Yeah, so we're going to talk about Boston Lloyd's death and steroids in this one. So everyone's chiming in on it. Um, a lot of a lot of you out there are requesting we do a video. So it's very, very important that we talk about this and, and yep. discuss this. And um, so who was Boston Lloyd? Uh, some of you may not be aware of him. He's a very young bodybuilder and a fitness coach. He had a very aggressive approach to bodybuilding lifestyle throughout his 20s. Very outspoken person. He was open about his steroid use. He liked to experiment on his own body, and he liked to push things to an extreme. Kind of, he liked to be his own guinea pig when it comes to stuff. Yeah. Peak stats, six foot one, 280 pounds. I think recently, in recent years, he was probably around 240, 250, maybe 260. Yeah. So we're going to talk about in this podcast, we're going to go over his life, his steroid use, and his death. So early life, um, born March of 20, 1992 in California. Both his parents were bodybuilders. His father owned a gym, very much into bodybuilding lifestyles, kind of in his, in his blood growing up. He has said in, on many occasions that he loves bodybuilding. He loves following bodybuilding. He wants to be in it. And he has a lot of pressure to be successful at it. So that was kind of an, an added incentive for him. So we're going to talk a little bit about his bodybuilding history. At 21 years old, he won the NPC Contra Costa in California, quickly gained a huge social media following young, the, uh, among the young male demographic. Many yep. were drawn to his openness about anabolic steroids. Since talking about them was considered taboo for many pro bodybuilders who were scared to lose sponsorship. But Boston took a different approach to this. He was like, fuck it. I'm just going to be open and honest about what I use. I'm going to be controversial about it. I don't care about the sponsorships. I don't care about selling supplements. I just want to, you know, get a big following and be as controversial as possible. That was his strategy. And he's been able to use that to his advantage over the past, you know, decade. Um, and he makes a lot of money selling you know merchandise and selling coaching plans and diet plans and and all kinds of stuff like that um on his website you know he's like charging like two three hundred dollars a pop for it so if he gets a you know a hundred people a month sign up i mean do the math so you can make you can make really good money at it so yeah mobster jump in in the pre-show i said to uh steve that to i believe that uh 
Austin was one of the early adapters uh, of, of the idea that social media and the influence you can have via social media and realizing uh, pretty early on uh, how you could make a name for yourself, how you could uh, uh, get views, how you could get people to click on stuff that you're involved in, how that could, could be put into sales for products and so on and so forth. Uh, and I mean, we're trying to be positive because we, we like Boston and what he's done and how honest he's been. But the negative aspects is, and I'm not saying this about Boston specifically, there's a certain negativity sometimes to the way that uh, some people that use Instagram or social media to create these kind of businesses can be negative. And what I mean by that is that they will do stupid stuff, right? I mean, as a silly example, and it's not really a great analogy in this particular case, you've got people that will climb up buildings and scaffolding and cranes on top of buildings and whatever else, and then they'll climb out onto to the, to the beam of the crane, and then they'll hang off this crane on a two-inch tube by one hand, and then the other hand's a camera. Uh, you know, if you've got any fear for heights, you're looking at it, you think, Jesus fucking Christ, what the fuck are you doing? And it looks like, you know, hell on earth and vertigo kicking in. I'm just looking at the screen and you think that person's going to fall. And of course, sometimes they do fall. Sometimes it's a video when they fall. So there's a kind of element of social media where you're encouraged to get views by doing fucked up shit, by pushing the envelope. And there even might be an element here of, and he's not the only person, we're going to get into someone else in a little while, where there may even be an element of being encouraged to push the envelope on yourself physically, chemically, because that gets more likes, because that gets more views. And as I said, he's not the only one. Rich Piano was great with social media. We'll get into that as well as relationship, those who had negative and other bits and pieces. Other people out there, it's true with podcasts. These hardball podcasts, we're not talking about nice things all the time. Sometimes we're talking about nasty things and, and, and dark things. And that gets likes, that gets views. And there's kind of an element here, like I say, where Boston uh, was an early adapter of this. He kind of realized that it could be marketed. And in a kind of, kind of perverse way, it's a great business. Uh, but equally, it's the reasons behind it. And essentially, what he's doing to himself physically and then talking about that, that kind of muddies the water. It's just not necessarily a great thing. Back to you, Steve. Some of the other, you know, he doesn't have a long list of competitions he did, but he did like to compete here and there. Yeah. Um, he did a competition with his future wife, Ariella Palumbo, at Muscle Beach at the Joe Wheatley Show in 2013. And then in 2015, first place men's super heavyweight division at Montanere Bros Powerhouse Classic. And then he was at the NPC Kevin Gore Border Clash. And he got first place in the super heavyweight division in 2016. So, you know, he didn't compete like at the super high level. It's not like he ever went to Mr. Olympia or anything like that, but he liked to compete here and there. Um, you know, we have to, you know, we don't know. Um, was it a genetic thing that prevented him? It certainly wasn't his gear use. He used as much gear as anybody and he used other stuff besides gear. So the combination of factors could be in place. Some people just don't have that top 0.1% genetics. He may have had only yeah. top, Five percent genetics, you know. I'm going to agree with Steve very quickly. He's, he's, both his dad, his mum, and himself had good physiques. No argument whatsoever. And when you've seen him on stage, 
He's having a great time. He's enjoying himself. He liked competing. You can tell he genuinely liked competing. The famous photographs of him sticking his tongue out and doing a double biceps, this kind of stuff. 100% a great looking physique. But as Steve says, it's one of those things that there's an element. And again, we know a lot of guys are like this on the forums, on social media, that are convinced, absolutely convinced. It's normally noobs. It's normally got some people that are just coming fresh into the game. And even the other one, which is, if I took steroids, I'd look like Doreen Yates. No, you wouldn't. You just wouldn't. You wouldn't take, you wouldn't look like Doreen Yates if he's swimming insulin. You would just, you just won't, right? And the problem again is this attitude sometimes where the idea if you take more drugs, you'll be a better bodybuilder. No, you'll just be a bigger version, if you're lucky, of what you already are. I've, I've mentioned this on the Hardcore podcast before. Look at all the top bros when they started. And what I mean is Kai Green, Dexter Jackson, Phil Heath. Look at every single one of those guys. And the muscular shape, the tendons, the tie-ins, the, 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 literally how the physique looks. And they become bigger and better versions of what they were when they were smaller. They didn't necessarily, they didn't change the shape of muscle. The insertion of a delt into the shoulder or the bicep into the delt, it didn't change. It just got bigger. It might become more defined. There might be a little bit of an extra vein, a little bit more sheen. There might be one or two more striations, but that's it. You don't go from skinny guy with no muscle to 300 pounds uh, unless the genetics were there at the beginning. And steroids will not change that. My statin, if it ever comes out in a useful way, maybe. But otherwise, forget it, guys. So, again... Great, great, great physique. Seriously good, especially, as you say, as a super heavy Steve, winning his competitions, but not that 1%. You're quite correct. I was putting him in the 5% all day long. And trust me, guys, if you had the physique that he had when he was competing as a super heavy and winning his competitions, most of you should be happy about it. Seriously, good, good physique, nice guy, enjoyed himself on stage, 100% Steve. Yeah, you know, I use this analogy all the time. Some of you guys... And gals that are listening, maybe you're you're new to the game and stuff, and that's a, you know we love new new people to the game. I don't I don't put back down people unlike others in the industry. Mobster doesn't either. We don't put you down for being new. We all have to start somewhere. But I use this yeah. analogy all the time. When Mobster was alluding to, I can take all the steroids I want. I'm not going to be able to throw a baseball 100 miles an hour. Nope. You know the fastest baseball pitch ever was by Aroldis Chapman, 105.1 miles an hour. I, I just looked it up. No matter how many steroids I take, I'll never throw a baseball that fast. I'll never be able to throw a football 70 yards, no matter how much, how many, how much steroids I take. Some people have that gift. I can't kick a football 50 yards, no matter how much steroids. Some people have the gift of a strong leg. So, I mean, yep. you, you know, it, it's guys, it's genetics. And then he did not have the 0.1% genetics to go up against the big Ramis of the world. I mean, he's 29. He should be, competing in the top 10, you know, going up against, you know, you know, the, the top 10 Mr. Olympias with the amount of gear he's on, the amount of stuff he's, he, he took, but he wasn't because yes. he just didn't he have did. those yeah. genetics. If yep. he did have those genetics, then, then he may, then it would boil Ooh, yeah. down to his workouts, his diet, his mentality, other factors. If, if the, these guys, that's what separates getting first place at Mr. Olympia from 10th place. It's, it's that type of thing. You're coaching. It's all that stuff that factors in. So, I mean, you either have the talent or you don't. You can't – you can't. it's like Tim Tebow in the NFL. You can't put Tim Tebow at quarterback in the NFL and expect him to be successful. He just doesn't have an arm, and he wasn't able to have an NFL career, you know, 
for that reason. It's, it's the same factor. So I'm going to get a little bit into his business, business ventures um, and then yep. Mobster um, get into his disputes with other bodybuilders. So as we alluded to, he started to gain more and more fame due to his videos. He showed himself injecting steroids openly. He was posting huge steroid cycles for all to see. And his social media accounts kept getting terminated. I mean, you cannot post that type of thing on social media. It's flat out, you know, you're showing yourself doing illegal shit. It'd be like posting a picture of you with, you know, with guns, you know, and shooting and committing robberies and stuff like that. Social media, they they can't have that litigation. So they've taken down his videos. So, but there are some clips and snapshots of some of the stuff he was doing. But it really, it it really bent the rules to the point where it's like, dude, like you're putting yourself in legal jeopardy here because some kid can watch your video and try to mimic what you're doing and hurt themselves, and you could be liable. I, you know, it, it's it's really kind of dangerous territory. So a lot of his stuff got taken down, but at the same time, you had this big group of people that came out and said wow this guy's honest he's trying to show us how how to do it yada 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 so that's how he was able to build a big following then he started selling peptides and he started selling contest prep pans phone consultations supplement protocols clothing three team c's three cc was the company name so that was how he was able to make a living and from what I could see, he's made a pretty damn good living um, just yep. selling these consultations to people online. That's it. I mean, he doesn't really make money through selling supplements or any other stuff like some of the other guys. So touch on that mobster and kind of get into the disputes he's had over the years. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously an issue. I mean, uh, I was going to say regards YouTube, Instagram. One of the things we do for any of these podcasts, any of the podcasts, we try to do pre-show research. Now, we haven't had a great length of time because the news about his death only happened yesterday and the death would probably been the day before. It's literally about 48 hours later and here we are doing what we're doing. So you can find no Boston Lloyd accounts on YouTube and no actual Boston Lloyd accounts haven't been closed on Instagram. Uh, there is a page on Facebook, which is a real one, with 54,000 followers. I suspect that he had a lot of followers, quarter of a million plus back in the day when he was doing the stuff on YouTube. But as a responsibility, ultimately it comes down to, can kids see this stuff? Even if dad's at home and it's his account, can my kids see this? And so YouTube and Instagram have some responsibility. It was being put upon them. And they say, right, is this acts? Is he taking illegal drugs? Steroids are classified, especially in the States, as illegal. Therefore, he's taken an illegal drug. And he's and one of his things early days, Steve, was injecting, as per the, the title of his company, three cc's. Uh, I think he, he would go to the back of his uh, truck, pickup truck, I believe he had, one with the kind of uh, the, the cabin over the back, and take something out of a bag and inject it into the shoulder outside the gym. I think there was one, and I might be wrong on this, where he does it in the Gold's Gym car park. So, again, views, likes, etc. But ultimately, the YouTube and Instagram see it is irresponsible. I'll get into the next aspect, Steve, which um, you and I talked about in a pre-show. And I said, in a perverse way, it was a business tactic as much as anything else in my mind. Steve talks about, obviously, the issue of being on steroids and high levels of testosterone uh, as a mood enhancement. And what we mean by that is that you kind of get into the whole macho 
uh, machismo aspects of, um, of whether it's in the fight sports, whether it's NFL, whether it's boxing, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's bodybuilding. Sometimes there's an element of uh, a degree of insecurity and there's also a degree of the testosterone effects in your mood. I will fuck you up, et cetera, et cetera. So specifically two people, one was Rich Piana, which involved an ex of Lloyd's a conversation about the penis size and a dispute over business. So with that being specific on the business aspects, which you can, you guys can find out online, the bottom line is, and I said this to Steve in a pre-show, if I'm arguing about, say, for example, as is the case here, a product, whether it's legitimate or not, and I make an accusation to someone like Boston that a product that he's selling is not real, I'm, in essence, taking money out of Boston's pocket. I'm taking $500 or $1,000 from that business every single day. While my, my listeners, my followers, are not buying from Boston that product, Boston loses money. Boston's went, gone from what appears to be an apartment, curtains drawn, a little bit dim on some of his videos of a few years ago to more recently married with a child, with a son, uh, a much brighter lit, nicer, more spacious house, better laid out, beautifully decorated and so on. So one has to assume, and again, I'm happy to be wrong on this, guys, one way or the other, that he's gone from not struggling, but from an okay lifestyle to a much better lifestyle by virtue of the effect that he's had on the industry, by virtue of products that he sold, by virtue of advice he's given. And that's come from a small amount to a big amount. And if you're in a business where uh, 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 you can be affected this is not a wage or a salary. You're not under contract to a big, another big supplement company, a multi-million dollar supplement company. You're working for yourself. And because you've caused the business to be based on whether you're liked or not liked, it's very easy for that income to go up and down based on an impact that someone else has. So there was a big argument with Rich Piana, which we think affected his business. There was also another argument, which ironically... We've done a podcast on this same individual. It was another really, really nice guy. And boss, let's not muck about, guys. Boston was a nice fella. Steve's spoken to him specifically for interviews. I've seen interviews that he's done with other individuals like Dave Palumbo uh, and more. And every single time, he's always come across as really nice, affable, easy to get along with fella. Absolutely, 100%. But another really nice bloke in the industry that he got into an argument with Steve was... Um, John Meadows, and, and, and John, some, there was a back and forth with John eventually saying, you won't live as long as I do. And, and, and as we know, John's passed away, but at what, close to twice the age that Boston managed. So, you know, not very nice thing to say, but ultimately, unfortunately true. And John is probably one of the nicest people in the industry uh, before his death. Uh, in terms of his love for the game and how people responded to him and no one had a bad word to say about him. And he wasn't putting out negative information. He wasn't doing stuff that we could talk about being clickbait or whatever else. Uh, so you, it's kind of it's kind of fucked up, Steve, that you end up, I mean, Rich Piano, I like Rich Piano. I like what John was doing in, in a perverse way. I liked how nice Boston was. I didn't necessarily like the advice he was giving, but I liked how nice he came across. He appreciated if he was being asked to do an interview, he liked being doing an interview. He appreciated the opportunity. He was grateful for the opportunity. And as you know, because you've had this, this contact with him, you know that he wasn't an arsehole when you were speaking to whatever else. So these are three kind of kind of nice guys who, John, not, not so much, but Rich and 
and um, Boston both had kind of negative impacts in their own way in terms of the encouragement of what we might discuss as being less than ideal behavior when it comes to PEDs. I'm going to mention something else, which me and Steve talked about in a pre-show. A buddy of mine back in the day, uh, I won't name on the podcast, but at one point taking five grams a week. Self-admitted to four grams, five grams a week on one particular podcast that he did. And fortunately for him, came off those kind of amounts, totaled 1,000 kilos, 2,200 pounds in powerlifting, essentially raw, uh, not, not with the super suits, and came off that kind of gear and, and changed his attitude. And he's done a, a post this morning on Facebook where essentially he goes, same as what we're saying, what a nice guy it was, but we were experimenting on ourselves. And if you learn something from our example, is that you shouldn't need to experiment on yourself. We've already done the kind of fucked up stuff for you. We've already put ourselves into that situation. Now, I'll, I'll touch on this again at the end of the podcast, Steve, but in our stuff that we put out on Evo, this hardcore podcast, all the articles, all the discussions that we have, we're constantly trying to reinforce what we call kind of sensible behavior. We're not saying you shouldn't use PEDs, although lots of people might argue that's, that's wrong. But what we do try to encourage is sensible use. And what, one, one more point here, and again, I'll bang on this drum again at the end of the podcast, Steve. It's my experience as an older gentleman, and Steve is a lot older than 29, but he's not as old as what I am. I'm an old motherfucker. And it's my experience coming up through the game with 40 plus years of paying attention to this stuff that nearly every single time someone in their 20s gets gung-ho, if they last long enough, their attitude changes. If they don't die at fucking 29, like Boston's done, then their attitude changes. They want kids, they want a relationship, and they've done stuff which maybe when they were in their 20s, early 20s, they didn't care about kids. They didn't care about the future of a relationship. They didn't worry or consider issues with kidneys or liver. And they didn't consider the fact that they're not invincible. They think they can live fast, die young, or worse, that they are invincible. And Boston changed. Boston 100% changed. He went from not bothered about kids to wanting a child, to having a child. It went from not caring about the amount of stuff to taking lots of less. The moment he decided to have a kid, he talked about lowering the doses. Touch on the interviews that you've done with him, Steve, before we get into the training and supplements. And yeah, there's, there's, I've done at least two or three interviews with Boston. I also did a one-on-one Q&A interview with Boston uh, via, you know, off, off the podcast. So he was, um, you know, I could say this about him. He, um, you know, I, I was kind of impressed that he took the time to kind of sit down for an interview like that, because um, that's very rare. Um, I've, I, you know, I've talked to a lot of guys in the industry and he's one of the few that did that. So that tells me a couple of things. Also, if you look at some of the, if you talk to some of these guys or you read their messages, the guys who were his clients and, you know, we can get into is Boston the best guy to you know, be a coach to you if he's, you know, dying at 29. I mean, we can have that argument. A lot of people are having that argument, but at the same time, the one thing that a lot of them say as well is that he 
you know, he'd always respond to their texts. It was always him. He took the time out of his day to, to do that. So that's rare too, because what you see with a lot of these diet programs and stuff is yeah. it's not them responding Definitely. to you. It's, it's someone working for them. They'll pay them like 50,000 a year or something. It's like an assistant. And then they'll be the ones yeah. responding to you, or they'll just copy paste the same cup cookie cutter program to you. So that's one of the things I like to do too. I agree with Boston's strategy on that. I like to engage you guys one-on-one. I'll do Skype, Skype consultations or over-the-phone consultations to talk to you guys. It's me you're talking to. I'm not hiring yes. someone and paying them you know, 10 or 20% of what I'm making. So that's what you want to look for when you're dealing with a coach. Now, I'm not saying that, like I said, I'm not saying Boston's advice may have been the best. I, you know, I don't know. I'm sure he wasn't putting on his clients. He wasn't putting his clients on the same shit that he was taking. No, I, at least I, I would hope so. I think he was probably dumb, you know, definitely like uh, dumbing it down quite a bit. I would hope because I think he realized what he was doing was was extremely risky. But he, you know, I, I know from talking to him, um, one of the things I, I asked him was, you know, do you get blood work done? And his response was always that, no, I don't get blood work done because I don't want to see what's in my blood work. I want to stay ignorant about my blood work. And that's just not what I teach. Um, I always tell my clients the first thing you want to do before you mess with anabolic steroids is run blood work. Before you even touch anabolic steroids, you should be running blood work. And then you should be running blood work after every cycle. It's just mandatory. So just being in the dark, because if you run blood work and see that things are off and things are not normal, then you can say, you know what? I'm not going to run my steroid cycle. But Boston, on the other hand, he just doesn't want to see his blood work. So most of this shit on his blood work is going to be off, but he's not, it's not going to stop him from using steroids because he has to use steroids. It's there's that big orexia mentality. Boster and I were discussing on the pre-show. Yes. It's the insecurity um, of bodybuilding. Look, and I'm, I, I'm insecure. I'm, I'm a short guy. I was that kid in school who got pushed around. You know, I was that skinny, short little dude, you know, who never got picked in, in school for sports. And then, you know, as, as I got older and I started lifting weights and stuff, and then like now I go to the beach and they're picking teams for volleyball and I'm like the first or second person to get picked, even though I'm short, they're still picking me for volleyball because I'm big muscular. You see what I'm saying? So it's that insecurity. We all have to deal with it. It's, it's in our brain, you know, that we have to deal with. And some guys, you know, have the, compensate their insecurities by be buying big trucks some guys buy porsches some guys buy women to always be around them some guys have social media and post pictures of them with hookers and pretend like oh yeah i get all these women you see what i'm saying it's it's flooded with that so it's not just bodybuilding it's all walks of life that are like that and in some ways, it's kind of normal, you know, normal to be a little insecure here and there and use that as a motivational tool to do it. But oh, yeah, that's the sense thing. Yeah. But Boston, and, and, you know, we're going to get into his death in a second. I know, Mobster, you want to jump in, but I just have to say this. Bob, Boston could not help himself because he could not stand to lose even a pound of muscle off his frame. And at some point it's going to happen, whether you get old, whether you get an injury, whether you go through a divorce, 
you're going to have to accept, you're going to have to take a step back. And if you can't do that, you're going to end up like Boston and Rich Piana, and you're going to end up basically killing yourself in the process. And this is exactly what happened here. Let's just flat out call it the way it is. Yeah. I mean, these guys are dying before their time, Steve. Boston, especially when, you, when you've got a young son, you've not been married that long. And you're only 29. 29 is fuck all. I mean, I'm of that age now, 57 years of age. If I hear of someone, one of my peers, my, my girlfriend said this this week, a friend of hers passed away at 54. And you go, 54, what the fuck? Because you're older, you're older. And you go, okay, but people our age shouldn't be dying. If you're going to live for the free score in 10, if medical work can make you last longer, then what the fuck are people doing dying at 29? And especially in a kind of almost self-inflicted, damage to yourself that makes you go 29 i'll give you a very quick example steven it's one of those things that you get to see and again funny enough it was via the bodybuilding forums back in the day and it would be people talking about recreational drug use specifically cocaine on a saturday night if you went out with your buddies say a group of six seven eight or nine of you i think the group i remember being quoted was 10 and they'd all go out together with girls etc 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 and everybody and i quote again would have a sniff whether that was a gram, whatever they, they were sharing, they would all have a little sniff of coke. What would happen, of course, is that for the vast majority of the group, eight or nine, that was it. It was that Saturday night sniff, go out a party, have a good time. We're all young, we don't care, blah, blah, blah. We got money, we can do what we fucking like. Lo and behold, five years down the road, so everybody's gone from, say, 20 to 25 or 25 to 30, whatever. One of the group's gone. One of the group's gone because they were doing coke, sniff, too much. One of the group was because they were overcompensating for new anxiety issues, mental health issues, feelings of insecurity, like Steve refers to. And the others in the group are going, how the fuck did that happen? Well, it's kind of like, you know, the stuff that your mum and dad tell you, the stuff that people that are supposed to teachers tell you, they say drugs are bad, okay? Like the old South Park sort of uh, uh, reference. Uh, and he goes, okay, it's well, nine of us are still here. Yeah, well, two or three of you probably fucked your nose up. Two or three of you probably damaged yourself in some way. Six of you are probably okay. You only did a gram on a Saturday night. You only did a little tiny bit on a Saturday night. You didn't go for the Monday night through the Saturday night. You didn't get into it. It wasn't overcompensating. Maybe you got into a relationship that made you feel better about yourself. You become more secure. And, for, and the majority of us, we mature. We age, we get experiences for life, and we start to see that maybe... It's, wanking 50 quid off up your router on a Saturday night as a waste of 50 pounds. I could buy my child nappies with 50 pounds and so on. So you grow up, you mature and you see things differently. And this is the point I'm making regularly. Rich Piano was what, 40 something? We're supposed to live just on the Bible, Steve. And I'm not religious in any way, mean or form, but we're supposed to live for 60 or 70 years. We're not supposed to die when we're 40 from fucking ourselves up. We're not supposed to die when we're 29 because we've wore our body out. That's kind of stupid. And like I said, how you feel when you're 19 or 20 or 23 or 24, it's it's impossible to imagine how you'll feel when you're 30 or 35. But us older wankers tell you how you're going to feel. We explain to you. It's we we're not, And it's one of those things like parents, I'm not saying it's for the good of my health. I'm saying it for the good of your fucking health. I'm saying don't fuck yourselves up. Realize that you will change, that you will mature, that you will get the relationship, that you will want kids. Because right now in your early 20s, ah, fuck that shit. Why the fuck would I want that? I'll take all the grams of fucking gear I like. I'll be as far as a fucking house. No motherfucker's going to fuck me up. No one's going to look at me funny. 
and five years down the road, you won't give a shit. You'll shrink down. If you've got the love for the iron, you'll keep training. You'll pay attention to the nutrition. You'll look good like Steve on the beach. You'll look. You'll be the first or second person picked. Uh, but you'll be cool with how you are, and your attitude will change. You go from wanting to fuck every girl there is to just wanting to fuck one girl. And only have you know living together and having one woman in your life or whatever your thing is, but it will you will calm down if you're gay and you're in a nightclub. Same thing doesn't matter if you're transgender. Doesn't matter. All of that stuff will calm the fuck down when you're mature. You won't be rushing around like a headless chicken. Those people don't last long. And here we got Boston, who changed Steve. Who changed? Who changed from wanting to do absolutely crazy stuff and not giving a damn? And said so. These aren't my words. These are his own words. Decreasing the dosages, looking into alternative health, wanting to be a good father, wanting to have a child. It just changed, changed, changed. Let's get into the actual specifics of the de the death. I yeah. don't want to do the the workout and diet. Yeah, stuff. so we got a lot to talk. We got a lot to talk yeah. about. We're also gonna go over his daily workout, diet, and supplement routine. Mobster, you're gonna you're gonna talk about that. But let me get into his death a little bit. So he was married to Ariella, who who's also a bodybuilder. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he did have a child, four dogs and one cat, and he loved he loved dogs. Uh, so that's another thing that I like I liked about him because I I like dogs and and mobster. Uh, Mobster likes I'm dogs good. and cats as well. We're both we're both animal lovers. In America, it's uh, those of you living across the world. Americans love dogs and cats. We have more dogs and cats than like the entire rest of the world combined. So we're big on that. He lived in rural Florida near Tampa. So death. Uh, so this death, you know, really his death started years ago. Back in October of 22, he was diagnosed with stage five kidney failure. And for someone who's only 27 years old. You know, that's very bizarre. So I'm sure, you know, that maybe went with his frustration going to doctors because, look, the doctors are used to dealing with people. I have family members who've dealt with kidney issues, you know, because um, they're like 80 years old. And this guy was 27 years old. So he's going to get, yeah. you know, going to meet a kidney specialist. And that guy is used to seeing an 80 year old and he's seeing a 27 year old. Do you see the, the issue there? So, Maybe that led to some of Boston's uh, frustration with doctors because they've never seen a 27-year-old with kidney issues like this, that unless it was some type of genetic issue or something. And he blamed uh, a peptide called edipatide, which is a fat burner. I don't know much about this um, fat burner at all, and obviously I wouldn't go near it. <laughs> so don't fuck with it, guys, please. Mobster, wait, you want to try I'm not going to get into specifics of the chemical, but I do recall that he had a, an interview with or, or podcast with Dave Palumbo and specifically mentioned it. And I think the issue is much like when we've done in this podcast, when we talk about DMP, uh, in order for it to be as successful as a fat burn as it was, it was the, the side effects were so bad, vis-a-vis -vis how bad you sweat, how the skin, uh, the, 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 the skin looking yellow, the uh, breakdown of actual muscle fiber, the cooking of the insides if you OD or uh, do too much of DMP. I, I, I think I mentioned in a thread on, on the forum, Steve, where I said essentially anything that's incredibly strong and works as effectively as we want it to, literally you sit there and the sweat's pouring off of you and you know that you're burning fat, you're, you're kind of really hot like DMP again, 
has to have side effects. So you've got this peptide that Steve just mentioned, and, and Boston's discussing this with Dave Palumbo, and he essentially says it's unbelievably effective, but it's having an effect. And if the effect that it's having is in this particular situation, he's arguing uh, the effect that it was having on his kidneys. I, I think realistically, Steve, it's a combination of factors. It's doing crazy amounts of gear back in the day. It's not, as you say, being ultimately careful with your health because you're not having those blood tests because you're not looking at them. And then literally just two, three years ago, pushing the envelope again. At this point, he's already cut back on gear. He's already looking to have a kid, I believe, at that particular point. He's already married, I think, at that particular point. And then he's pushing his peptide, which, again, I'd have to double check, and we're doing this podcast. I'm not going to do it while we're, while we're talking. But I sort of recall looking this up, and the medical side warning was to do with the stress on your kidneys, the stress it's going to have on your body. You know, it comes with a bunch of warning signs. And here we go, as a bodybuilder, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get ripped, and I'm going to ignore that shit. So I think arguably he probably already had issues. Steve is not looking at his blood test, like we just said. And then he's pushing the envelope. And put, it's another risk factor. It's another mitigating risk factor. We have to understand this, guys. I will hammer this point again and again and again on this podcast. You must understand if you roll a dice in a particular direction with regards to, say, for example, this peptide, that you are rolling the dice. You are gambling with an aspect of your health. If you're comfortable with that, we're not going to encourage you to go out and do something that ultimately can damage you in that particular way. We'll inform you. We will say, this is drugs, amazing at burning fat, but the side effects are horrendous. It's amazing at burning fat, but you might fuck your kidneys up. We will tell you that. 100%. We will be as honest and truthful as Boston was. We try to do that every single fucking day. But Boston here is kind of like, okay, ultimately Boston, he probably already had done the damage and then rolled the dice again. You can't roll the dice so many times, guys. You can't get away with it. Boston is a lovely guy, but he didn't get away with it. He just didn't. He's 29. 29, and that's it. He rolled those dice, and he lost. He gambled, and he lost. It happens. You've got to listen to the solid advice that we try to give you. If we put a caution or a warning on something, there's a fucking good reason for it. And we're guys that use PEDs. We talk about performance-enhancing drugs. We talk about the effects. But we're telling you when there's a caution. We're telling you when there's a warning. That's what, nine times out of 10, you'll see no references to DMP discussed. People are asked, we say you shouldn't use it. That's pretty much the end of the discussion. And that's not just one or two of us. That's pretty much every single person that tries to offer you advice on the forums, evolutionary.org and a group of forums that we're involved in. Other forums don't give a fuck. We do. We're trying our best. And you will very rarely see someone say, go for it. It's nearly always another user. It's never us mods. It's never the VIPs. It's never the admin. It's nearly always some and someone else's, I, I lost the weight. Great. We're, we're the guys going, okay, but you'll put the weight back on. You'll, you'll put the weight back on it to be worse than it was before. And you'd have had the side effects. Oh, shall I double the dose? No. Stick to the damn dose you're supposed to use. Don't double up. That's as a multiple list of drugs that we talk about like that all the time. This is a great effective dose. It works for 99.9% of you use that dose. Don't double up, don't triple up, don't quadruple up. You won't, if you lose five pounds, you won't lose 20 pounds because you doubled up. Or 
15 pounds or 20 it's just, just it doesn't work like that and and again rolling the dice we were trying to our encouragement as best as we possibly can is to get you to do stuff safely austin ended up being that guy too yeah so let's yeah it's it's you make some really good points buddy so you're going to get into workout diet and supplement routine mops are shortly yeah. but it's kind of finish up a little bit um you know about his death so early reports say he refused dialysis so dialysis is where you plug get plugged up and basically the dialysis does the work your kidneys can't do so his kidneys were in such bad shape and they were so beat beat up that really at this point he needed to get dialysis done three times a week the rest of his life he didn't want to do it he wanted to treat his condition on his own he ignored his doctor's advice he posts on his Facebook that doctors and his insurance companies were no help to him. And he chose instead to treat his element with peptides and things like EPO, glutathion, and stem cells. And um, that's crazy because EPO is extremely risky and has a lot of side effects on itself. So yeah. probably made his, his situation worse treating himself like that, guys. Guys, got to find a good doctor. Listen to your doctor. Just don't, you know, this is... Um, it's really sad. It's really sad that we live in a time where people get their advice from, from Facebook or social media on, on how to treat themselves for ailments and not doctors who've had years of education and pros. I promise you, if you have a heart attack and you're on the way to the hospital, you're not going to check your Facebook to find out how to treat your heart attack. You're going to want a doctor, the best doctor in town. I say this all the time. You're going to want the best doctor in town who's had years of experience for this situation and they do the job and they don't get any thank you from people. You know, they, they're not, those are the doctors that are awesome. Those are the doctors that save lives. They save, they're going to save your grandparents' life. They're going to save your parents' life. They're going to save your life. They're going to save your kid's life one day. Those are the doctors that we should be depending on and not ignoring their advice. So on February 22nd, mobster, before I let you in here, I got to just um, he says, quote, I wish I had not put myself in this situation, but unfortunately I've made some mistakes and now it's time to try and heal the wound. So three days later on February 25th, he had passed away, only 29 years old, he passed out in his home after going to the gym. Paramedics yep. arrived. They tried CPR. They took him to the hospital. And he did not make it. I was kind of shocked at that part. That they got to him quick. It's not like he was there for hours. They got to him no. quick, it seems, and they still weren't able to save him. That tells you how massive of a heart attack he likely got. And that appears to be the early corporate heart attack, which is tied in to kidney issues. So, Mobster, yeah. chime in really quick on that because we're short on time. And I really yeah. want to get you to get, get into the workout diet and supplement routine. And we're going to talk about a steroid cycle that he talks about. Very quickly again, guys, this, the whole business, I'm, I'm a great fan, <coughs> early adapter and all that of the internet, absolutely, back in the 80s, 90s, taking a computer, getting online, et cetera, et cetera. Something I've addressed uh, with family members, never mind uh, online, via internet, social media, and whatever else, it's absolutely amazing. It's incredibly powerful. It's very, very informative, but you have to be very, very careful, guys, when it comes to especially stuff like this, regards your medical health and staying alive, and being able to talk about this shit, that you have to be aware of what we call unconscious bias. And what I mean by that is, Steve's quite correct. We're kind of like, why wasn't Boston on dialysis? Why the fuck not? Was there an issue with, with insurance? Well, okay, here you do. 
earn more money, get a better fucking insurance, go over the border, get it done cheaply. I don't care. Move. Move closer to Mexico. Go somewhere there. If you can afford to run a business and live in Florida and it's expensive, go somewhere where it's cheaper and get dialysis. It's a pain in the ass. It's four hours, three times a week. That's a big bite out of your life, but you're still with us. If you decide you can cure yourself because you saw an article somewhere on the internet, that's the unconscious bias. It's kind of like, well, uh, you can do it with this and you can do it with lemon juice and you've got this special drink that you can take and it's amazing and it's only going to cost you $50, whereas if you're going to pay for dialysis, it's going to cost you $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, whatever it costs, Steve, it's not going to be cheap. And an unconscious bias allows you to be in a situation where you kind of idea that you can cure yourself of information you found off the internet versus 10 years just to become an MD or GP in this country. And then how many more years on top of that as a specialist in kidney function? It's, it's ridiculous. I don't, you, you would literally have to do the same lessons online to have the same knowledge as an expert in the very thing that if you don't get fixed, it's going to kill you. And that's how fucked up this. I want again to say very briefly, guys, the, the workout, nutrition supplements, and so on and so forth. There's not a great deal online for me and that I can recall in terms of the training, Steve. So I don't think he was out there doing various videos that I remember. There was a lot more traction from obviously talking about PEDs than there was talking about how he benched or squatted or whatever else. You don't get to be a super heavyweight, regardless of the amount of gear that we know and he admits to taking in the past without training your ass off as well. And of course, it's come from that background, Steve. So I guarantee that he learned from his mum and dad the way that they trained. And I guarantee again, I'd put money on it, that he was in the gym, that he learned the tricks and techniques that make you a great bodybuilder. He learned the angles. And to say that he sat at the, the, the foot of, of, of great bodybuilders would be true. He, mum and dad are going to teach him his shit. He's going to see how they train. He's going to know how to train. And regardless of how effective you think PEDs are, you still got to squat and curl and bench and press. Food-wise, we're not talking about anything crazy here, Steve. I just say, Lloyd has Boston's written about a typical day's training supplement and food routine. Well, it's peak weight of very, very close to 300 pounds. On, on waking, 10 grams of essential amino acids, 10 grams of glutamine, 5 grams of branch training amino acids and coffee. There you go. Uh, 30 minutes of cardio. So this is not fasted cardio, but it's close to fasted cardio. Come home and have three whole eggs, two cups of egg whites with oatmeal, apple juice, wheat bread, grass red butter and apple cider vinegar. There's a, a little one there for you guys. It's good for the gut health. A later on meal, for example, and again, this is not nothing miracle, miraculous when it comes to food, guys. Said this before, plain and simple beach all day long. Chicken, turkey, sweet potato, or guanina, which I can never pronounce. Pre-workout, similar to meal, above but a little bit of rice in there for the carbs. Workouts. This is high volume. This would be high volume for me, and it's high volume for most guys. 30 sets and using an intra-workout shake, a post-workout shake, which I'm a fan of. And in post-workout, plain and simple, steak, potato, rice, fruit, and vegetables. And before bed meal, shake with eggs and something I can't pronounce. I think it's a carbohydrate. No, it's uh, it's it's metamucil. It's it's kind of I don't know what they call mm -hmm. it in Britain, but it's 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 like something like old people usually take. Like it's kind of like yeah. a, helped you huh? sleep. No, <laughs> um. It's, heard it. it's got it's, like it's it's like vitamins it's got like vitamins in it oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, fiber yeah. it's like fiber yeah, psyllium husk yeah. like so a sort of healthy yeah. drink yeah 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 what about steroid let's do the steroid cycle steve and then we finish off 
So, yeah, um, you know, it's interesting on this one. When he wrote out his steroid cycle, it's like, oh, yeah, it's know. not just steroids he's taken. It's a shitload of things. I mean, he ta- yeah. he's basically like taking everything you could possibly take. Um, it was incredible. And I, it's extremely expensive. Um, yeah. So we're going to start off at 20 IUs per day of HGH. That alone is expensive as fuck. And then he's taken 24 IUs per day of insulin, which is a lot. That's a lot of fucking insulin. So he's basically, he wants insulin in his system. Pretty much if food is going in his body, he wants insulin in his system to kind of help drive, you know, that nutrition partitioning effect. 1100 milligrams per week of testosterone and intake. 300 milligrams per week of testosterone propanate. Why the hell? Why the hell not, right? 1200 milligrams (laughs) per week of trimbolone acetate. And then 100 milligrams trend no ester pre-workout. So because all those steroids aren't enough, now we got to take some trend no ester so it can work right as he's doing his workout, you know, so just for good measure. And then here's here's a big one, 300 milligrams per week of mint, trestolone, very, very potent steroid, Um, not something you want to mess around with on just on its own, 300 milligrams per week of mint on its own is a hell of a cycle much as the tread all the other stuff he's taken and 600 milligrams a week decadurable and 13 milli- 1300 milligrams a week equipoise and then 16 milligrams a day of toronto ball t-ball so how many milligrams per week total is that mobster not counting the t-ball you're talking about just looking very quickly steve i'm not gonna write it out probably but it's at least five grams it's insane. Uh, it, it's insane. Plus the ACH, uh, plus the insulin. It's just mind-boggling uh, how much he was taken. Now you see why his kidney couldn't even make it to 30. Um, yeah. That's why. Basically, your kidney has to filter out all these steroids. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm just, it's just mind-boggling looking through this. And then, you know, he's taking... Do the rest. Yeah, do the rest and tell us a little bit about the rest. Yeah. Okay, so we got an, got an AI in there, right? Fantastic. Bear in mind, you'll take it over five grams a week. Arimidex, uh, cabogolin, then a bunch of peptides here. And the last one, which I'll get, we'll get into very quickly as well. So IGF LR3, IGF DES, MK677, kind of reasonable. Uh, CJCDAC, and painkillers. Now, there's a couple of almost sensible things in this, Steve. The fact that he's using Arimidex and, and anti-estrogen because he's on five grams a week, kind of sensible. Uh, K-Buff probably helping him with regards to, you know, being able to perform and so on and so forth, and health again. The 60 milligrams of T-Bowl a day is almost sensible, but but not when you're doing five grams of everything else. When I said five grams, I hadn't included the additional uh, 300 milligrams a week, so probably about five and a half grams a week instead. And then the peptides, uh, arkable, because you're using all that growth right at the beginning, and most peptides are a derivative with specific effects of growth hormone. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert on, on the peptides, Steve, but the IGF stuff is kind of obvious. The MK677 is a kind of growth hormone uh, psalm. It does the same thing. So again, this is stuff he's telling us he's using. One of the things which, funny enough, I mentioned when I was talking about my buddy earlier on, and I posted on his post on Facebook, was the issue with painkillers. Uh, and we see this quite a lot. In terms of training, if you are, and I'll use a British phrase here, smashing the granny 
just, just what I mean by that is training extremely hard and really kind of trying to fuck yourself up in the gym. The issue with, I get pain in my shoulders and pain in my elbow. Uh, I don't get much pain anywhere else, funny enough. And it's all on the right hand side, which says a great deal. But nevertheless, there's an issue with training to the degree required to build the kind of muscle, which as we say in this cycle, had him at close to 300 pounds, is it, it's hard. It doesn't matter how much gear you're taking, you still need to work motherfucking hard in the gym. And they, it, it's going to be a level of discomfort, whether it's from DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, or whether it's just from tweaks and strains and pain that you get in the gym. And you're pounding on the joints. Talk, Steve's talked about it. You're pounding away on the joints. So what a lot of guys do, on top of over five grams a week, which has to be stressed on your organs, has to be stressed on your heart, 300 pounds stress in your heart, you're taking a bunch of pangolins. And we talked about this in the Tom Prince uh, podcast, where Tom was taking two or three times a recommended daily dose of uh, ibuprofen, Advil, and the stress that has just on your stomach, never mind on your organs, on top of over five grams a week, as I've already said. It, again, it's like another reason for the strain that you're putting on your body. It's another reason for, I mean, it's just a, just this on its own. If you can't understand how bad a drug is on you, and I'm not talking about any of the performance enhancing drugs here, just ibuprofen will fuck up your gut. It will fuck up to the gut side to the point you're getting irritable. It feels like you've got irritable bowel. You've got some kind of diarrhea thing going on. And this is especially true if you take it on an empty stomach. And yet it's an over-the-counter drug, highly recommended for as an anti-inflammatory and taken in moderation for brief periods of time with a little bit of stomach irritation, you're fine. But if you're using this on a regular daily basis, just for example here, to get for your workouts, and then you're doing a bunch of other things which are stressing your body, then you're kind of, to, put, to be put it crudely, Steve, you're kind of asking for it. You really are. And I mean... Back in the day when the guys were using Nubane and getting hooked because it was a narcotic, because they were told it had a fat burning property and you could get through painful workouts. You're kind of like, come on, guys. Most people that train and are involved in the industry are intelligent people. It's surprising. There was the, studies, the, 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 the statistics support the idea that they are typically higher educated. And what I mean is that they're really well at school and a lot of them went on to higher education college university. They have disposable income. They're kind of educating yourself about nutrition and training to the point where, as often as not, you'll know more about specific elements of what you do than perhaps a, a, a GP or an MD in the States. You become an expert, and you become an expert to the point where, if, even if it's only in your body, but we will, at the same time, we kind of ignore things. We'll ignore that we're ripping our stomach up with ibuprofen. We'll ignore that we're putting five and a half grams a week into our bodies. We'll ignore the fact that we get breathless because we're 300 pounds because we want to be 300 pounds. And this is the ultimate thing here, Steve. And I think we'd both finish up on this. I'm sure you're going to chime in and agree with me. You've had Boston on this podcast. You've done interviews with him and he comes across as a really nice guy. He's a 29 year old who's left behind a wife and child, a son. Um, Everybody in the industry, Dave Palumbo was trying not to cry. You've got other guys shaking their heads and they're not cussing him 
They're not calling him a jerk. We're not cussing him. We're not calling him a jerk. What we're, we're trying to do with this, we say, is a lovely bloke, comes across really well. You could pr probably have a great conversation, great interviews, great podcasts with him. He, he, he is one of those blokes that does extremely well when the camera's on him and people seem to like him. Uh, but unfortunately, influential in a bad way. Um, getting known and perhaps encouraged by being known because he was a kind of out there, I'll tell you what's really happening. Uh, and then uh, here's the situation. And it's one of those things where you have to say, there has to be a lesson learned. 29 years of age, not even 30, that's less than half of what his lifespan should have been, leaving behind a missus and, and a child. Uh, and all those people that listened to him and any of you guys that took his advice and followed some of the, not necessarily his advice even, because some of his advice was great, but followed his example. You have to ask yourself, do I want to pass away at 29? Do I want to be dying in my kitchen of a heart attack, essentially organ failure at 29? Do I want to leave behind a wife and child? Literally, you've only been married a few years. Your son is one or two years of age. That's just not what his legacy should be. It's not what we try to do. And as I said, there are people out there 100% that are going to miss him and his impact. And it's one of those things, Steve, I kind of, I'm not necessarily a fan of Boston per se, but is a bright light that has been dimmed and then blown out. And it should not happen at 29 years of age. Steve. What do you think? I get the sense with Boston and also a lot of people that followed him and a lot of people in the industry, Mobster, is there's a rebellious tendency. And he comes up with this aggressive cycling idea and people right off the bat are attacking him, telling him, no, you're wrong. Don't do it. Like John Meadows, for example, like, yeah. and that makes him want to do it even more. And then, yeah, Rich Piana come along and give him shit. There's a video of Rich Piana giving him shit when they were having a war. Rich Piana even told him, you're doing too much steroids. And he even yeah. says in the video, if Rich Piana is telling you too much, to blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So even Rich Piana is criticizing him. It's not going to make him not do it because when you're in your 20s, you're trying to prove others wrong. You're like, fuck yes. authority. I'm going to do whatever the hell I yeah. want. Then he goes to the doctors and the doctors tell him straight up, dude, you have to stop using steroids. You have to come off everything. You've got to stop working out even. You have to stop taking supplements. You have to stop throwing shit at your body. You've got to do that now ASAP. And you know what he told the doctors? He told the doctors, fuck you. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm just going to fix the situation on my own. I don't like what you have to say. So I'm going yeah. to tell you to fuck off. And that was his mentality. And look, at the end of the day, it's normal for us as teenagers and, and in our 20s to be rebellious. It's fucking normal. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to have enough humility to say, you know what? I'm sitting here in front of you. And you've got, you, you know, you have all these years of education, okay, and you're specialists in this field, and you deal with these people every day in and day out, maybe I should just listen to what they have to say, you have to have that humility, and he didn't 
because he was ingrained in the lifestyle. He had the social media. He had to look a certain way. He was scared to end up looking like Tom Prince. That was bigger fear for him was looking like Tom Prince, the way Tom Prince ended up looking like than, yeah. than dying. He would rather be dead than look like Tom Prince. You see what I'm saying? So I understand yeah. the situation because everybody goes through that. Nobody, yeah. when we're a teenager, nobody wants to listen to our parents. Nobody. No. You know, nobody wants to, if our, taren, if our taren, parents tell us go to college, we don't want to go to college. If our parents tell us don't, <laughs> yeah. don't get into that field, we're going to want to get good education. <laughs> so I'm sure his parents told him, you know, Boston, please stop this. I told, I'm sure people close to him said, please, Boston, stop it. But he didn't go to those people. He went to people like Tony Hughes who encouraged yeah. this behavior. And that kind of, so. he fell and noticed the people he was hanging out with toward the end of his life. And doing podcasts with they were all the morons of the industry, the bottom of the barrel of the industry, the ex felons, yeah. the criminals, the people who have no credibility in the field and no education on any of this stuff, who are playing doctor and pretending to know what they're doing, yeah, and who who are you know victim they're victims themselves of their own stupidity, and that's the people. He felt it because that was the group that accepted him in, in his in his world. So that's that's kind of what happened here. So at the end of the day, you know, you guys have to, you know, you have to kind of shake that off when you're a teenager and you're in your 20s. You have to shake that off a little bit. And you have to have humility. It's normal to be rebellious. It's normal. You know, people have teenagers and they go crazy. They, the teenagers drive them crazy. And I always tell oh, people, I'm like, look, we were all teenagers at one point. Did you forget the way you were as a teenager? I mean, come on. So, and it's, you see this with, you know, with recreational drug use. That's another example. It's illegal. Don't use drugs. We're told that our whole lives. And it's like, that makes us want to do drugs. It's like, we want to yeah. tell authority to fuck off, you know? And, and Arnold is a hundred percent correct. Cause Arnold says this all the time. He says that people, you know, they want to tell authority, fuck you, don't tell me what to do. And this is why they end up doing what we perceive as stupid things. And yeah. that was what Boston lived for. He lived for people attacking him and lived for people telling him what he was doing was wrong. And that drove him to, to, to want to do it even more. So how at the end of the day, if he, had survived, yeah. if he had yeah. survived, if he had survived, if he had survived, would he have changed his ways finally? I don't think no, he would have. I don't think he would have. So because we've seen enough of these bodybuilders dying where he should have learned the lesson just from that, but he didn't. So yeah. Monster, final thoughts and then take us into our disclaimer. Really, really good show. 100% Steve, agree with all the things you've just said. I'm, I'm old enough and ugly enough. We've been teenagers. We've been parents. We're get, I'm a grandparent now. We're getting into that kind of stage of life. And you look back over certain things and whatever else. Uh, a classic example, Stephen, it's a very poor analogy again. At the last half year of my, what would be high school, and one of the heads of years comes out and he had no great reputation amongst us kids. And sitting down in assembly, some, whatever you would call it in the States, I've no idea. Great big sort of group meeting, whatever and saying, listen, guys, there's 16 weeks left for you to knuckle down and study 
and revise for your exams. You won't understand and you won't appreciate what I'm saying, but is this one of the most important things, times of your life right now? And I did not listen. I got to that, my bollocks are dropped. I'm, I'm turning into a young man, fuck you. I'm not going to listen. And literally two weeks before the exams come along, the penny drops. And I suddenly realised that I've wasted 14 fucking weeks by goofing off of my mates, by doing voluntary work on whatever else, when I should have been revising. And it's a really, really bad analogy here because I didn't pay attention to good advice. What we try to do on these things is give you good advice. Sometimes good advice is boring. Sometimes it's your parents or your your peers droning away in the fucking background, blah, 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 I don't care, fuck them, I'm going to do whatever. And, 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 and as, as every decade, every single decade before I was born, every decade that, from what I've been in love, every decade after I die, will have some kind of element of it which is rebellious, deliberately rebellious. But I, I know, for example, Steve, guys that were fucking rock and roll hooligans, Teddy boys, leather jackets, all that kind of shit, older than me. And it's hard for me to look at them and think this guy was running up and down the high street, waving a train around and fighting other people and getting arrested and all that kind of stuff. In fact, at the time I was speaking to that fellow who was working for the police. So it's just, you can't wrap your brain around it. And that's because you lack the experience. When we talk about this stuff, you have to learn. And Boston should be a lesson for you. There's a kind of nice lesson in how he was able to manipulate the media and make a living from it, but there's a bad lesson in that he ignored things that he shouldn't have ignored. He pushed his body, and we tried to help you. We like Boston. He was a lovely bloke, but he shouldn't be dead now. And there's a number of people in the industry that have been dying recently, the women from really, really bad guru advice, 30s, 33, 34, 35, Bunch of guys, one of the most popular, which we mentioned earlier on, passing away. These, even even Rich Piano was a nice guy if you got to meet him. None of these people should be dead. They would not listen. They wouldn't be sensible. They wouldn't play safely. They didn't take the kind of advice that would hopefully have kept them alive. And even if it was just for the entertainment and the education, they would still be with us, still be out there, still be doing their thing. But they're not, and they should be with us. Boston should be with us. As always, guys, please note we are not doctors and the opinions in these podcasts are hours and hours alone. It's our view and it's based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the first amendment.